Yo, 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 yo. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. So as I've already promised, as I already told you guys, I'm going crazy. I'm going serious with the uploads. Uh, this is going to be the second episode of the week. Uh, this will be, I think I'm going to drop this on Thursday. So I dropped the first episode on Tuesday. Hope you guys want to go tune into that. I, I basically did like a recap of week 15. Um, I talked about other, you know, more. it was more so just a recap of week 15 and just looking at some of the outcomes and results. Did like, you know, a little analysis on the games and so forth. Um, this episode is more of like uh, I'm, I'm going to be going through and I, I get to it. But yeah, three episodes. Uh, this will come out on Thursday, I think. And then the third episode of this week will come out on Saturday. That'll be like our regular. I'm not going to say regular, regular, but like our regular episode that you guys are usually used to where I have a list of topics uh, that could range between the NFL and the NBA or something like that. And then I give you guys my top 10 NFL teams and so forth on a weekly basis, as, as we always do. As I said, this particular episode, we're going to be looking at quarterbacks, quarterbacks, teams, um, more so teams that may or should be in the quarterback market. Uh, even if they are solidified with this, the quarterback situation look. So we're going to go through every team, each conference, um, and we're just going to evaluate and look at their current situ quarterback situation. We're going to, I guess we can call this like state of the quarterback. Like, you know how uh, our country has like state of the unions with, you know, for our presidents and so forth. Well, I, we're going to call this like a state of the quarterbacks where I, I we're going to go through every, literally every team. And we're going to discuss their quarterback situation. Obviously, there's teams out there that, like, there's not much discussion. There's no there's no need to go full in-depth and do it. But I think there's some teams where, you know, they're, they're going to be in some tricky situations. Or I think there's some teams that's, like, obviously they're going to be in the market. So that's what this episode is going to entail uh, for the most part. I may throw a little wrinkle in there. I don't know. But. That's what this episode is going to entail, so let's get into it. You guys already know how we go. Uh, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kidd of the Isaiah Kidd Podcast. Shouts out to everybody listening. Shouts out to everyone listening and supporting. Greatly, greatly appreciated. And as I've already gave you guys the rundown, we're going to go in. We're going to go right into it. Um, I wonder how long this is going to take me because I feel like even though and I don't have nobody with me, it's just me, myself and I. Um, but I wonder how long it's going to take. Let's see. So we're going to start in the NFC. Uh, I'm going to go division. I think I'm going to go division by division and we can start with the Cardinals. I, as I said, my previous episode, I did talk about the Cardinals and how they've had like a disaster of a like a year. Um, but let's start with the Cardinals. So ever, as I've already stated, some of you guys may know, Kyler Murray's going to miss some time, uh, due to the ACL injury, his AE towards ACL, uh, not this past, not this Monday, but the previous Monday on Monday night football. Um, and honestly, like the Cardinals, I, I don't think there's much question here. Like that Kyler Murray is going to be their guy. Uh, now I don't like, I'm not a particularly like huge fan of the way they're talking about his, uh, ACL injury. Uh, they're saying he's going to be back in six months. 
obviously I don't I don't see that happening. I don't think that's a possibility. Um, I think in the meanwhile, I think obviously, like I said, Kyler's their guy because they're locked in, like they are locked into his deal, his five year, two hundred million dollars, two hundred and thirty million dollar deal, a hundred, a hundred and sixty of that um million is guaranteed. So like they're locked in. This is their guy financially. This is their guy. They they, they got to build around him. I do think it'll be wise of them to go out and get a veteran backup until he's healthy. And with Colt McCoy, another concussion. I think that I think that's probably another sign that like he's probably gonna call it raps. Colt McCoy's a little older now. He's always ha- dealt with like the concussion thing, um, injury and so forth. So Kyler, his big time money doesn't really start to hit, right? The money doesn't really start to hit until the fu- I think until the next year. Yeah, until next year. Well, no, not even next year, actually. His cap hit increases, obviously. But in 2024, he'd be 27. His his base salary be 37 million, um, 51 million dollar cap hit. So that's where that like the Cardinals will start to actually feel um his contract, but they're 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 locked into this puppy. This is a five-year, 160 million, like they that guaranteed. They're locked into this thing. I've already kind of discussed the Cardinals earlier this week in terms of their like dysfunction and how much of a disaster this season has been for them. Um, but so yeah, I think ultimately Kyler's their guy, but they'll be in the market for a veteran backup for sure. All right, we're gonna go to the Rams. Now, the Rams, they have Matthew Stafford, uh, who I that like that's gonna be their guy for all intensive purposes, right? But there could be um Stafford, he's had some injuries, he's been banged up. They did just extend him. They gave him a four-year, $160 million extension, obviously, after winning the Super Bowl. $130 million of that, like $130 million of that money is guaranteed. So the Rams, this once again, like some kind of a similar situation to Kyler. Not as the, the contracts, Kyler's contract is obviously bigger, but similar situation financially where like they're they're bind with him. Um, and like I said, he's been banged up, hasn't really had a good year. The Rams themselves as a whole haven't had a good year. Uh, they're actually, to speak to how bad the Rams have been, they're actually on pace to be the worst defending Super Bowl champion in league history. Um, I think the team, uh, that would that currently held, that currently, that held that precious title, um, was the 99 Broncos, and that was after John Elway had obviously retired. Uh, this Rams, they were 6-11, and 11, I think, 6-10, and 6-10. The Rams, they're bad. They're a bad football team. Um, I do think they, they should keep a solid backup on their roster. Like I said, Stafford and the whole um, shoulder injury, it, that could be a bit, a bit worry, a worrisome. So I, I think they should get them a solid backup. It would help if Baker Mayfield, you know, maybe Baker could 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 be that backup. But if he continues to play well, he may get to he may get another shot. He may get another shot somewhere. Um, or he may just decide to leave. Like you know, so the Rams, I think. Um, I, I'm I'm looking at them like, in a nutshell. 
for for the Rams as a whole, they 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 don't have a their salary cap strapped, right? They have a lot of money tied into a couple of a few several standout players on their roster that helped them, you know, win that that Super Bowl this you know last year. But they don't have much draft capital in route to chasing that Super Bowl. They don't have much draft capital. So a lot of this is they're going to have to do a lot of like in-house developing and in, in, in really trying to develop these guys um, and not just go out and get stars and so forth. Because granted, it got them a Super Bowl, but now they're 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 definitely feeling and seeing the effects of giving away a lot of just future assets and it's it's having some some big time ramifications on their roster and their roster outlook for the next year or two where they just don't have draft capital they don't have these assets um because in exchange they got you know they got talent uh to to win now so definitely the rams they're they're in bind they're they're in bondage a little bit with Matthew Stafford and his contract um and I'm I'm want to see is if there is a potential out. That potential out doesn't come soon enough. So they're definitely they're definitely with him. Uh, his cap hit next year be twenty million dollars, but his dead cap is forty nine million dollars in dead cap. So even if they wanted to move on from Matthew Stafford, it would cost them a pretty penny. Where I don't think they would do. So yeah, the Rams. That's their situation. Let's move on to the 49ers. Um, and this is interesting because the Niners are a team that's currently on obviously a Super Bowl chase. Like they they're trying to win now. Uh, no matter who, no matter who is playing quarterback, it seems like they are good enough to win games. Now, here's the thing. Jimmy Garoppolo probably won't be back. I is there a world where all three of these quarterbacks, Jimmy Garoppolo, Lance, and Brock Purdy, all return on the 49ers roster? Yes. I think there is a world that that is possible. Now, is it probable? I doubt it. I think the Niners move off of Jimmy Garoppolo. And depending on how this playoff run ends with Brock Purdy, I, I, I think last week or so, I saw Richard Sherman say, hey, like, the, the 49ers are going to have the, the most controversial quarterback thing, quarterback discussion if Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl, and I couldn't strongly disagree. Like I, like, I disagree. I think this clears up their quarterback controversy if Brock Purdy, you know, was to go on and to win win the NFC and win the Super Like, I think this, th- there's no question who you go with. Um, as the, the 49er fans, I, you know, I, I follow a few of, you know, a few of them follow me on Twitter if Brock Purdy was to do such a thing, I don't think they wouldn't deem it as con- quarterback controversy. They would they would be like Brock Purdy is our guy. Um so I think that would clear if that was to happen, that's the best case scenario. I think I don't think that's the worst case scenario. That that's the best case scenario and we you, you know, the 49ers would probably have to have some really difficult and tough conversations because you look at what you look at the compensation that they gave up for Trey Lance, it's like oh like oh damn like it's it, you know but Brock Purdy if he's if he does that if he wins the Super Bowl you you don't bring obviously Jimmy Garoppolo you don't bring you don't bring him back Brock Purdy is your guy and you figure out what to do with Trey Lance like rather you move them move him or so, like 
you you got to do something with him, right? So when Richard Sherman said that's the worst case scenario for the 49er fan base, I'm like, no, the hell is not. It is. It's actually the best case scenario. It's the best case scenario. It, like, because you can always they can always fall back like, hey, we won the Super Bowl. Like Brock Purdy's our guy. We're gonna go with Brock Purdy, and you know, granted, I, the, I know, I know, like I said. A few more than a few 49er fans follow me on Twitter and so forth. And I, I, I you know, I interact, I see what they talk, and I'm like, there's they, they don't have a lot of huge investment in Trey Lance. That's the actual like front office where they gave up compens draft compensation and so forth in order to move up and get Trey Lance. But in terms of like fan loyalty and fan investment. There isn't much there, and that, that's not a knock on Trey Lance. It's just that first they, they, he's barely played in the two years he, since he's been in the league. But also it's like, you know, Brian probably won a Super Bowl. That's And that's all I'm saying. Like, that would be the best-case scenario. Um, Like I said, if, 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 and if Brock Purdy doesn't win the Super Bowl, let's just say Brock Purdy loses in the NFC Championship game, right? You bring Obviously, you bring back Purdy. Uh, you bring back Lance, you probably let them battle it out in camp. So the Niners, they won't be in the market for a quarterback. Um, their quarterback may already be on their roster, depending on how this season ends for them. Uh, the last team in the NFC West, the Seahawks. Honestly, I think Geno Smith has played well enough where Seattle has to sign him. Um, they have to sign him, whether that's a like a three, four year deal, maybe. I mean, but Geno Smith, like, this is no, I feel like this is no fluke. Like, Jim Geno has really, really played well for the Seahawks. And it's not like he's just like dinking and dunking and this. No, 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 no. He's actually pushing and moving the football down the field. And offensively, Seattle, it they they're they're exciting to watch. They're definitely exciting to watch. So I think Geno Smith so far, granted, no matter like it looked like they were they were going to be a playoff team. Now you have the, you know the Lions, um, you got certain teams like the Commanders who are like kind of right there in that same space as the Seahawks. They, so the Seahawks may not make the postseason, but if they don't, I still think Geno Smith himself individually has played well and has overachieved expectations i think as a team the seahawks overachieve expectations um but i think he i think he's actually done enough to remain in seattle so that there's no there's not much uh i don't think there's much controversy there i think seattle they'll retain him they'll resign him and bring him back uh so nfc east eagles jalen hurts um he's in mvp conversations uh, now the Eagles have had this happen to them before where, it, you know, they have a young quarterback who is in MVP conversations and then that quarterback never returns to the, like that level. I don't know if that, I don't think that's going to be Jalen Hurts, uh, portion, but I think it's safe to say that Hurts is going to be the Eagles guy. Um, Dak and the Cowboys, you know, Dak, like they, they, they just extended him. So Dak is going to be in Dallas. Here's the thing. Now we got the last two teams in NFC. It's, it's interesting. Now you look at the other two teams in NFC East, where you have the Giants and the Commanders. Now we'll start with the Giants. I think 
honestly, I'm I'm a bit surprised that I'm about to say this, but I think they stick with Daniel Jones. He's really he's really surprised me with his play. And granted, it's nothing terrific. It's not like flashy. It's not over the top. He's not putting up spectacular numbers and so forth through the air. Um, like no, but he, first his biggest knock and concern over the you know first beginning years, first few years throughout his career is turnovers. He's been very turnover prone. He, he he's a turnover machine. I think the impact and the influence of Brian Dayball is easily seen throughout this offense and really throughout this team, but more so offensively with Daniel Jones. They have cleaned. He's cleaned up the turnovers. Uh, Dayball has him doing things that Daniel Jones is comfortable with. And also, I think you look at it's not always like it hasn't always been his right arm. It's been the utilization of his legs. Daniel Jones, like Brian Dayball, has found the mix of incorporating Daniel Jones's mobility. So, granted, Daniel Jones has been playing decent. The team is overachieving. And like I said, a lot of this is like, hey, like this is what happens when you have, when you make great hires at the coaching spot. And I think Brian Dayball, I think that was a really good hire. And it's it's having its impact. It's it's its impact and influence is showing the the front office. They like Daniel Jones. They're they're still kind of relatively high on Daniel Jones. So I, I'm looking at a guy in Daniel Jones, like I said, he could land a two to three year deal. Of the two to three year deal that's flexible for the Giants, and maybe halfway through the deal, the Giants want out and they want to move off. Uh, you know, they can do that. Uh, or you know, one year into the deal, they want to move off because he's not playing up the par. That's that's fine too. But I think up until this point so far this year, and it looks like the Giants are going to probably be a playoff team. Daniel Jones hasn't he he like I said nothing really stellar. Nothing too spectacular. Um, obviously he's not elite, but there were a lot of questions like could Daniel Jones even be a starter in this league? And he has looked like a starter. He's played decent. He's had some decent stretches of football. Um, I think that could land him a really flexible, team-friendly two to three-year deal. And what also helps the Giants is that he's not playing like spectacular, he's not putting up these great numbers. So there isn't going to be like a a line for for there's not going to be a line of teams in the Daniel Jones sweepstakes. There's not going to be a land rush of teams trying to get over and just, you know, just drool all over Daniel Jones. It's not going to happen. So that's why I think they can get away with a two, three year flexible team friendly deal. And halfway through the deal, they can get out of it if they want to. Um, I think also the next step with keeping Daniel Jones is like, hey. The Giants then got to go out and get some pieces. Their passing game is not explosive, not because of the limitations of Daniel Jones. That's one That's one factor. But the other factor is they just don't have a lot of premium talent on offense. They, like, there's not a lot of premium or just good talent on offense that they have. And that's why Saquon has been relied upon so, so much. But the influence and the impact of Brian Dayball may, like, it, it's showing. And Daniel Jones has. He's 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 been consistent and been taking care of the football. Not nothing too crazy, but it's been consistent. Now with the Commanders, it seems like over the last few years, it seemed like the Commanders they try every loophole and they try to take every route. 
into getting Taylor Heineke, like trying to get off of Taylor Heineke as their starter. And I tell you, Heineke with this team, with like they this team clearly likes they 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 really really like and endure Taylor Heineke. They really do. But I, I just have the feeling they're going to be in the market for another quarterback this offseason. And honestly, I don't blame them. I think Heineke has obviously he has flashes. I think, you know, he, he has he, he has these flashes um in these moments where they're like magical moments. It's like Taylor Heineke magic. He can just make things happen um when called upon. But you go back and look at some of these games, and point in case, example, the Giants game this past Sunday night, he he misses a lot of layup throws. He misses a lot of the easy bread and butter layup throws that should be made. And when you leave throws like that on the field, it, it, it like they, like the Giants game, if he makes some of these layup throws, the commanders win that game. The commanders win that game. But often, too often, he doesn't capitalize on those opportunities. Yes, he's a scrappy player. Yes, I think he's well respected within the locker room. But obviously, him as a player, there's some there are some limitations, and he can make some magic out of some things, and he can make things happen. But ultimately, we're looking at a guy in Taylor Heineke where he's very like hit or miss, and it's like. Uh, you know, you're missing some of the easy throws. And I think I, 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 I really stress this all the time. With the quarterbacks and the young quarterbacks, a lot of the young quarterbacks are now, you know, we look at Mahomes, we look at Allen, we look at the we look at these guys and they're like, well, we're just so in awe of them making these great spectacular plays on the run and being able to extend plays. But a lot of the position of playing quarterback, a lot of it is like just taking what the defense gives you. So like a lot, like a lot of these spectacular plays that we are just in awe of when Mahomes makes them, when Herbert makes them, when Josh Allen makes them, when Joe Burrow makes them, that's like that's like two percent of the position. Like, you know, that that that, that you know, that's two percent of the throws that you're actually asked to make. And Heineke just don't make enough of those easy throws, uh, where they're there. They're available. He just don't make them. He misses them, and it costs you some games, like the Sunday night game. Um, so that I think the I think the Commanders. I think it's safe to say they're gonna probably be in the market for another quarterback. Heineke, not necessarily a bad option, but I don't know if he's a guy that you want to build your organization around for years to come. Okay, next division, NFC South. All these goddamn teams in the quarterback. <laughs> I think this just to save us some time. All of these teams need a damn quarterback. I mean, the I don't know if you guys heard about it, but the Falcons and Marcus Mariota situation is super super weird. The Falcons bench Marcus Mariota. Um, he hasn't. They benched him on Thursday. They let him know that on Thursday. Didn't come into all. Didn't come into practice on Friday. Hasn't returned since. It's kind of like he's left the team and he's he hasn't returned and there's no sign of him returning back to the team for the remainder of the season up until this point. Uh, it just seems really weird. 
and I think for a guy that Marcus like Marcus Mariota, like he hasn't he hasn't played well this year. So every chance that the every chance that the Falcons have with him on the field, they have tried to hide the ability of like they've they've been trying to hide him, right? And it's it's kind of hard to hide your quarterback, especially when you're a team like the Falcons, where there's not much talent. There's not a lot of talent. You got Kyle Pitts, you got Drake London, but they're like there isn't much talent on both sides or all around your team where you can hide your quarterback. They're not good enough to hide their quarterback and also be a good team, even though they're in the playoff chase. And the Falcons of this with this Marcus Mariota situation, they seem pretty content. They seem pretty content in okay with him just leaving the team. I don't I don't know. Um the Saints, Andy Dalton is still their starter. Obviously, the red rifle. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I, I think it, to me, with Andy Dalton still being the starter, it says a lot about Jameis Winston. Like, what the hell is Jameis Winston doing or not doing? Where Andy Dalton is still the starter? Because I've seen some moments Andy Dalton hasn't played particularly well. But like I said, all of these teams are still in the playoff chase, so all of them need a quarterback. I look at the Buccaneers, Tom, I don't, whether Tom continues to play football or he just shuts it down and retires, I think it's pretty clear that he won't return to Tampa Bay next year. With him being a free agent, it's, I think it's pretty clear and evident that he won't return to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, they're not a good football team this year. Uh, Todd Bowles, I hate to say, and I know we're focusing on quarterbacks, but I hate to say it about Todd Bowles because I, I I really was trying to support Todd Bowles, but sometimes it, it, Todd Bowles is a case of like really 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 good coordinator, but a bad coach. Like he's a bad head coach, and I think that's what it is. Like Todd Bowles, great defensive coordinator, great defensive coordinator. Can't find too many in the league that's better, but as a coach, very very highly skeptical. Um, average at best. I wouldn't even say average, though. I feel like he's a little bit below average. So I look at the NFC South. Uh, I shouldn't even spend this much time. Um, there, all of these teams in the quarterback. Uh, I look at the so let's move on to the NFC North. NFC North. Uh, the Bears have their guy. I think Fields have shown enough flashes. Um, I think he he has a thousand rushing yards in the season. Uh, now there's not much in the passing game for the Bears, and we knew that. Like we all knew that the Bears weren't going to be great through the air, and we knew they weren't going to be. We had a sneaky suspension that they, that they weren't going to be too good, like offensively either. Um, now I do like the identity of this team. Granted, they've lost. They're three and eleven, and they're not very good. They don't have much talent, but I like the identity. I like the culture that Matt Eberflus have have uh, Eberflus has, you know, created and built so far. I think with Chicago, in terms of their quarterback situation, they now, with Justin Fields, now that they know, okay, this is, this, we've seen enough flashes, like, okay, he can play. They have to make the right decisions with the checkbook this offseason and in the draft because they have plenty of cap space. They're going to have, they should have $100 million in cap space this year coming up this offseason. And draft capital. They have that. They have both things. So the Bears, their concentration should be 
making the right decisions with the checkbook and opening the checkbook, and then in the draft, drafting right um, with all of this draft capital that they have acquired. Um, okay, next team in the North, the Vikings. They're stuck with Kirk Cousins. Um, like contractually, fina- like financially, they're stuck with him until they find someone like substantially better. And Kirk Cousins is not a bad quarterback. He's just not elite. And he has a tendency to, you know, not play as well and underachieve and underperform in some big-time moments. But until the Vikings are sure that they can find someone substantially better than Kirk Cousins, I don't see them moving off of Kirk Cousins no matter how this season ends. Like, I don't I don't know about, like, if they're a one-and-done in the postseason – it doesn't matter how it how it ends. Kirk Cousins is good enough until they find someone that is substantially better, and they then they can move on. And then his contract, they just gave him an extension, so I don't. There's not much getting out of that. The Lions, kind of similar to the Giants. Many thought coming into the year, the Lions would probably move off of Jerry Goff, but I don't know. The Lions are probably, arguably, the hottest team or the hottest NFC team, at least. I mean, last seven games, they're six and one. They're now at seven and seven, and I would argue they're probably going to win out. I don't know. I think the Lions may it. Now I say this: I weigh the risk and the benefit. The benefit is. If the Lions do stick with Jared Goff, they have a lot of resources that they can dump and pour into this team to make their team even better. So it's somewhat of a luxury to not have to waste their picks and their assets on trying to get another quarterback. That's the benefit. Now, the risk is, is this a one-year flash in the pan type of thing with Jared Goff or do you take the other seven year span or the other years of his career and his resume where it's like I don't know not strong not a strong enough arm not too good in cold weather like do you take like that's the risk and that's kind of like the benefit and the risk where okay the Lions are seven and seven they in my estimate they probably make the playoffs maybe like they have a they have a damn good shot at it. Uh and Jared Goff hasn't he's played well this year. So the benefit to that is hey, if you keep Jared Goff, instead of you dumping all of your picks and resources and assets on another quarterback, you can then feel other needs and make this team even better than what it is. Or the risk is you stick with him. And it's like, okay, is this a one-year thing? Is this like a one-year wonder type of thing? Or is this like, or, or is Jerk Off going to regress to the mean where, you know, the rest of his, like, that's the, that's the benefit and the risk. Honestly, I would not be surprised if they go, I, I, I wouldn't be, I think they should stick with Jerk Off. I think they should stick with Jerk Off and they should, <clears throat> they should, they should dump and spend their assets and resources on other parts of their team needs. I really do. So the Lions, that could really go either way. Um, but I, I think 
it would not it wouldn't it wouldn't be a bad idea or a bad decision to go with Jared Goff and then just dump all your resources with where you know your team lacks. And now last but not least in the north is the Packers. And <laughs> obviously, I mean they, they have no choice but to stick with Aaron Rodgers. Uh like they they have no choice. Uh they 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 gave him the money, they gave him the bag, the big time extension. $50 million per year. Like, there's no moving off of this. And even if they did want to trade him, entertain the fact of trading him, or if somebody said, hey, you could trade him, yeah, you could, but Aaron is all Aaron is already doing the bare minimum in the offseason for a team that he wants to play for. So imagine if the Packers we're trying to openly shop him and they traded him to a team where he doesn't want to play for he like a team he doesn't want to play for and he's like I'm not doing any of the offseason requirements if I'm not required there I ain't doing it like that that's easily that's e- that could easily be a, a a situation uh that could happen if the Packers were to trade him which I don't see happening um it's going to be really hard to trade him if that was even a thought process I don't even think that's an option for the Packers he has control of this whole situation with the Packers. Um, now, w- w- in terms of Jordan Love, I think it's a bit irresponsible, and it's it's weird because Aaron Rodgers, you know, like you know, there's like sons out there that's like I don't want to turn out to be like my dad. Well, Aaron, Ro- that's Aaron Rodgers. Like Aaron Rodgers didn't want to turn out to be like Brett Favre, and really didn't like Brett Favre for the way how Brett Favre handled his last stint, his last few years in the league. Well, that's that's what Aaron Rodgers has turned into with this whole situation where it's like, I don't I don't want to turn into Brett Favre. And he's had he's severely turned into Brett Favre. And I'll say this, I think it's a little it's a little surprising to me that the Packers haven't made the switch to play Jordan Love and maybe because they still technically, quote unquote, they're technically still in playoff contention. But I think with another loss to the like if, if the Dolphins beat the Packers, which I think they probably will on Christmas Day, they they're eliminated from playoff contention. I think from that point on, they should probably look into the idea um into playing Jordan Love because they have to make a decision on Jordan Love this offseason. And more than likely, he'll probably be traded. He'll probably be he'll, they'll probably move off of him because they're stuck with Aaron Rodgers. But I think I, I for me, it's a bit selfish and I don't know. It, it's a bit selfish of Aaron Rodgers to think they have an outside chance of making the playoffs, which like I said, technically, they quote unquote do. Now a lot would have to happen. They would obviously have to win out, but then they would need some things to go like their way as well with some other results. So it, it it's it's a huge what if, but I think the Packers, you know, it'll probably all end this weekend where they lose and Jordan Love will play for the remainder of the season. But um, I say this: the Packers and Rodgers, he's ha- he's ha- he's found a connection with Christian Watson. So they got a couple young receivers that they can build upon of, but the Packers need, with them being so salary cap strapped and restricted, not just to Aaron Rodgers, but a few other players on both sides of the ball. I think they it, it do it, it would do them wonders to try to boost up Jordan Love's, you know, trade value. 
so they can get as much back so they can get as much back as possible to get this team to get some young talent in some cheaper contracts. All right, so we're going to move to the AFC. I'm going to tell you guys, the AFC, I'm already looking at it because I have it written, had the teams written out and so forth, and I got some contracts in front of me. It shouldn't be as long. We're going to start in the AFC West. Obviously, we don't have to talk about the Chiefs. We don't talk about the Chargers. And, I mean, the Broncos quarterback situation, (laughs) it isn't as delightful and it isn't as great as the Chargers or Chiefs situation. But with Russell Wilson, but he, they're paying him so much money. the Like, they have no choice but to stick with Russell Wilson. So there's no, there's no conversation needed there for the Broncos. Now, the Raiders. The Raiders, I told you guys this. I kind of, I said this on one of my episodes about a month and a half ago. And I was like, I don't think Derek Carr is going to be the Raiders quarterback next year. I think they, I think the Raiders and Josh McDaniels in that front office, they don't, they don't owe Derek Carr anything. Like they have no, they, like there's no pre-existing relationship here. They didn't draft him. They, there, there's no, in, there's no invested interest here. So I think they probably, the, the Raiders would it surprise me if they were to exercise that right to move off of Derek Carr's contract. It wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me at all. It wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if they if they decided to make that move. And I think both sides like I think both sides kind of realize they can do better. Like I think Derek Carr looks at the Raiders and the situation, the organization. Like oh, I could probably do better, right? Uh, and then I think the Raiders probably like ah. Oh, Derek Carr, I mean, he's a good quarterback, but I think we can do better. I think we can do better, and it would save them $30 million in the cap. This is a Raiders team that a lot of their talent is on offense. So they it would do it, like some extra cap space, some well needed and extra cap space could help them balance out that talent uh, disparity. But my guess is he won't be a Raider next year. Would it su- now, I think it would surprise me a little bit if Derek Carr, if the Raiders stuck it out and Derek Carr came back next year, it would surprise me. But I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't think he returns as a Raider next year. All right, so we're going to move on to the NFC, the AFC East, excuse me. AFC East. Bills don't need a quarterback Tua, I feel like, has shown enough from the Dolphins. Granted, I think we over these last couple of weeks, we've seen, like, okay, there, there's levels to, like, th- this quarterback thing with Tua. Like, there's levels. Like, you saw the performance Herbert put on. You saw the, the performance Josh Allen put on. Like, okay, those guys are, like, Josh Allen's elite. He's And he's a year in, year out. He's an MVP candidate, right? And you look at Justin Herbert, he's an emerging superstar, elite quarterback. There's clearly a gap and a difference in the, in the disparity between those guys and Tua. But overall, I think Tua, he's shown enough. The Dolphins will stick with him. Um, the Jets and the Patriots. So the, let's start with the Patriots. Belichick, I don't think they'd be in the market for a quarterback. I don't think they'd be in the market for a quarterback. I think with offensively looking forward, they should probably bring back Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien he comes from the New England, comes from the Belichick um, 
coaching tree. Uh, I think they should bring him back as a, as the offensive coordinator. Obviously, Mac Jones has been he's really really expressed and has these he's he's expressed and displayed frustration. So, could if, if things don't change in terms of the coaching staff and personnel wise, could Mac want some other move or changes? Yeah, I think that's very much possible. I don't think it's out of the rim of possibility. But I think in terms of looking at the quarterback situation, I don't think they'll move off of with Mac Jones or you know the Bailey Zappi experiment, whatever. <clears throat> I think they won't be in the market. I think they're running back. I think they'll make some changes in the coaching staff. I think that they'll probably try to upgrade and get uh, one of the top receivers in this free agency class, right? The Jets. Now, the Jets is interesting because I think Mike White, He's kind of like one over everybody, I feel like. Like the, the coaching staff, the front office, and, and obviously the players, the, the locker room. I think he's won over that over Zach Wilson. The players love him. And it just feels like Zach Wilson in New York. It feels over. It like it feels like this this stint is over. Um, they've had enough. There's this negative perception of, of Zach Wilson, and a lot of it is self-inflicted whether it's the way he's carried himself or it's the way he's performed on the field. Like it's a lot of this stuff of Zach Wilson and the negative perception of Zach Wilson. It's very much self-inflicted wounds. And it just kind of feels over for him in New York. Now with, in terms of the jets, they're talented. They got talent on defense. Their offense has been hit or miss this year. It's been up and down, obviously, as we talked about with Zach Wilson. Mike White, could the Jets entertain other quarterbacks that may be on the market? Possibly, possibly. But I think I feel like if if they're not really feeling what's in the market, I feel like they I think they feel comfortable enough at least for one more year running it back with Mike White and seeing what he has. So that's the, that's the AFC East. Let's go to the AFC North. Uh Obviously, the, the the Bengals, they're fine. The Browns, they they have their guy in Deshaun. Um, the Steelers, I think Kenny Pickett, he's you know he's had some up and down. He has some up and downs. I'm not a huge fan of Matt Canada as the offensive coordinator. I feel like the the Steelers' offense and with their running is very very outdated, very much outdated. So. I think they're. I don't think they'd be in the quarterback market. They just drafted Kenny Pickett. They're running back with Kenny Pickett. Now the Ravens. The Ravens is interesting um, because I am now opening up to the fact that Lamar could possibly leave, which would then put them in the quarterback market. But ultimately, my gut, my gut is telling me that Lamar is probably. Lamar's probably going to. They're gonna they're gonna figure out a way to work it out and get Lamar all signed up. I think that's what happens. I now I'm very much open to the fact that Lamar could leave and the Ravens could let him walk. I am I have become very open to that fact and into that that case happening and that scenario happening and planning itself out. But my gut is telling me they resign him. Lamar stay with Baltimore. So that's the North. AFC South, 
Now, Tannehill, it seems like looking at report, seems like he's going to be out for the remainder of the season. There, It's a likelihood. Uh, that spells trouble because now the, here comes the Jaguars. The Jaguars obviously don't need a quarterback. They found they they have their guy. The Titans, Malik Willis, I from what I've seen so far, hasn't looked too pretty. But the Titans, they lack a lot of they don't they don't have a lot of premium talent on offense. They don't have a lot of premium pass ca- um, pass catchers. So I don't think they'd be in the quarterback market. I do think. Whether it's Tannehill or they move forward with Malik Willis, I think the Titans, you know, hold pack at least for a year or two before entering the quarterback market. The Texans, they will certainly be in the quarterback market. They'll be certainly in the mix for a guy, probably a guy coming out of college. Um, they're gonna have a they're gonna probably have the number one or two pick, probably. Um, and they're gonna be they're gonna be picking a quarterback like Bryce Young, uh, CJ, like they're going to be in that, those sweepstakes. And then the Colts, absolutely, with their with their quarterback uh, atrocity and, and, and trial and error, with, like they have tried so many rinse and repeats and it just hasn't worked. You know, Carson Wentz, Phillip, I mean, Matt Ryan, you know, I, they will certainly be in the quarterback market or drafting a quarterback just like the Texans. So that's kind of, that's it. I, I don't know how long that is. We, I got to do the math, but that's it. That is the state of the quarterbacks, uh, state of the quarterbacks, state of the teams, whatever we want to call it. I got to, I'm going to come up with a name for it, whatever, but that's it. I don't know if it took, I don't think it took me that long, but the AF, I told you guys, the AFC was not going to take that long. Uh, Cause a lot of the, I'm, you're realizing a lot of the AFC teams have their guy. What now? There's different ranges, like obviously Kansas City, Buffalo, Chargers, Cincinnati. They're re- they're 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 in love with their guys. Like <laughs> you you go to their front offices, they're in love. Like you go to those four teams front. They're in love with their quarterback situation. It's Mahomes. It's Allen. It's Herbert. It's Burrow. Um, and even I think. Dare I say Jacksonville? I think they're fine with like they're obviously they're great. Um, the Ravens, they they know what they have in Lamar. I just think Lamar not having not Lamar not having proper representation and him representing himself and the Ravens as well. I think that's kind of like prolong this whole contract situation. Uh, you look at Cleveland; they have their their quarterback and Deshaun Watson. Uh. You know, it's going to take a while for him to get his feet on him, but they they have their guy. So you look at the AFC, and even with the Dolphins, like Tua, like I said, Tua, they, you, can, you can clearly see there's a difference between Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and, and Tua, but he's good. He's a good quarterback. He's a good quarterback that can, like, I think Tua can win you a playoff game. So, okay, so that wraps this up. That, that does it. I told you guys, I don't think it took that long. So yeah, that was about uh about forty seven minutes or so. Um, like I said, I didn't want to be too long today. Like I said, there's three episodes coming out this week. Uh, the previous episode, I did that uh, week fifteen reactions. This is like state of the quarterbacks, um, going around the league, looking at every you know not every single situ- quarterback situation, but uh you know the quarterbacks, you know the teams that could be on the market for quarterbacks and so forth, but. 
I think I'm uh I'm coming to a close. I'm gonna wrap this bad boy up. Uh, this will be like I said, Thursday episode. This will be your Thursday episode for uh, for you guys. Um, I'll be back on Saturday, or you'll hear my voice on Saturday. You'll hear um I you know I give you guys my uh my annual very much anticipated <laughs> top ten teams list uh that we do on a weekly basis and so forth. But uh, always remember two choices, one decision. Hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, and I catch you guys on Saturday. Peace.